15 years since this club been 11 and 5. So it's just the beginning. Yeah. All right, it's just the beginning. That's what we're made of. Again, congratulations, man. It's time to turn some music on. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the We Do Podcast. I am your host, Billy Price, and we're coming to you from inside Cover 2 Studios. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a previously listener of the show, welcome back. We appreciate you stopping by. Be sure to head over to the Apple Podcast section and drop us a review. It helps get the word out to other listeners. Also, be sure to check out us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Today, we've got quite a treat for you. We continue uh, talking about race prep, and this week we have David Huell from D2 Cycling and Endurance. He'll join me for a very special live Facebook event that we had over on our Facebook and on our YouTube channel. We talked about what it's going to take to get you ready to tow the starting line for your next endurance event. So without further ado, here's the interview and the live broadcast that we had a few nights ago on the We Do Podcast. All right, guys, we are here with Coach David Huell from D2 Cycling and Endurance. Dave, how's it going tonight? Fantastic, and yourself today? I am doing great. I got a little ride in today, so um, that's always a good thing. Get outside, enjoy yourself a little bit. Absolutely. And I brought you here because I want to talk about what we can do to get ready to race since it looks as though we're all going to be racing again real soon. Looks that way. We've got some athletes doing some uh, later spring uh, Ironman events and some other runs are already on the calendar and they're going off. So yeah, we are back to it. Yes. Yes. And I tell you what, before we get started though, let me make sure that you guys are, that are watching on Insta or not on Instagram. We're on live on Facebook and live on YouTube. If you have any questions, drop us a comment and at, throughout this process that I'm talking to Dave, I'll make sure to get you guys in on the conversation. So my first question to you is getting back into working out. What should we do to make sure our bike is ready for these events? Oh, normal maintenance uh, stuff. Now, it depends on how long you've been off. Uh, you know, if you, if you shelved the bike while we, uh, were through the pandemic and stuff, that's, you know, that's a big tune up type of thing. But if you've been riding right along, just the normal, uh, mini tune ups, check the tires, mm-hmm. loop the chain, make sure everything shifts and, and braking is good. So as far as the, as the equipment goes, your, your normal maintenance that you would do, if it's been sitting around in a, in a garage for a year because you've not been doing anything at all, yeah, then I would say, take it in and have it professionally looked at. Otherwise just a you know, a little, little wipe down and some lube on the chain for, for most things. Yeah. The ABC check, right? That's what you always ABC, taught me. Yeah. yeah. All, all, always, always ne- never, uh, never go out for a ride without checking, uh, those components. 
but again, if, if, if it's been sitting up in a garage for a year and a half, cause you know, you've got the prize time trial bike. Well, it's not been in a race in a year and a half. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's, let's get that professionally looked at. Yeah. Uh, check the rubber, make sure everything is, is good on it. Make sure there's no corrosion setting in on spokes and stuff uh, before you go out and ride it hard for, for the first time. Okay. So I'm going out for my first ride. Should mm. it be a, should it be a two hour ride just to start off? Let's get it going. <laughs> Let's get in it. Sure. Uh, depends on what you've been doing. <laughs> And that's that's the hard part too. Is um, everybody's coming back back from a different level. Um, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, someone once someone said on a meme or something that I'm going to come out of this thing a hunk, a lunk, or a chunk. There you go. Uh, <laughs> um, so I think everybody's got some flavor of of how how active they stayed during the pandemic. Uh, yes, racing wasn't uh, allowed, but you know, since gyms were closed and so many other things were closed, so many people went out, uh, they were riding and running, you know, without even having anything on the calendar. So yeah, yeah if, you, if you've been riding hour, half, two hours, keep up with it. If, okay. If you literally put the bike on the, uh, you know, rack in the, in the garage and you haven't touched it in a year and a half, ease back into it, you know, start with that 45 minute spin and make sure you've got the legs for that. It takes a while for the the tissues to get accustomed to the saddle again. So it might take four half dozen rides to get acclimated to the saddle and and the position on the bike again. So no, don't, don't go jumping in with two feet. If you haven't been uh, maintaining some level of, of riding and running. Yeah. 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 That, that saddle, that saddle time is (laughs) definitely something you got to work on. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, even with the run too, you, 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 well, shoot, before the pandemic, I was running, you know, 14 miles every other weekend. Don't start with 14 miles just because you did it a year and a half ago before the pandemic started. You, you've got to ease in and, and, you know, know thy body, mm-hmm. yep. you know, so if you've, if you've literally been off for, for 14, 16 months and not done anything and gained a few pounds and gotten a little lethargic, you know, that, that one mile walk run to start the first day might be exactly what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're talking about a few pounds. Let's, let's, let's jump <laughs> to that. Um, you know, maybe, you know, myself included have gained a few pounds through this whole end epidemic or pandemic. Uh, can I go out and not fuel meaning, um, because I want to lose it fast. I'm going to go out and run or ride for several hours and I'm not bringing nutrition because I'm carrying extra nutrition, right, Dave? You are carrying extra nutrition, <laughs> but you can't tap into it all that accessibly, um, especially early on. Um, no, you're you're going to want to fuel through. Uh, there's a there's a rule of thumb. It's like 500 for five. So you can't you can't have a more. What is it? 500 for five. So five days straight. You can't. You shouldn't. You can, and you will lose weight. However your body will recognize it as starvation and you'll tend to gain the weight back faster and, and more of it sometimes. Okay. Uh, the rough rule of thumb, no more than a 500 calorie deficit for five days straight. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. That's good to know. So most people, they can run a 300 calorie deficit for a long time and not affect their basal map metabolism. So their, their base metabolism, their, their BMR won't be dramatically affected with that. Now, what does that do? That takes the fast component out of the weight loss, uh, but it makes it stick around longer. 
So if we want to lose, you know, 10 pounds before a wedding to look good in the suit or whatever, okay, go do what you need to do. But if you're, if you're serious about getting back on the bike, back on the run and healthy so that you can keep the weight off, no more than a pound a week, roughly two pounds if you're bigger. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, do, do not trigger the starvation mode. Your body will want to hold on to everything as soon as you start eating normal again. So small little quantities. Gotcha. Now, small little quantities. If I want to go out tomorrow and do a three-mile, 5K, four-mile run uh, fasted, that will help burn fat, absolutely, because I don't have the fuel in the body before I run. But I'm going to try and eat. I'm trying to refuel with as many as close to the burn plus my uh bmr as possible mm-hmm. one two three hundred calories for most people per day is fine it's going to take a while to to get that you know to get those uh to get the, that uh, metabolic engine tuned where you can do these things now gotcha. in a, in six months a year if you want to go out and hit a 12 mile run fast because you're used to it you've you've worked up to that that's wonderful, but I would not use it as a weight loss mechanism. Okay. Nope. <laughs> you're setting yourself up for, for, for danger there. So well, plus blocking, if you're not used to it, you go out for a two hour ride with no, you're, you're, you're just going to be, you'll be a mess. It's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> it is a recipe for disaster. For disaster. Absolutely. So let's say I haven't been training a lot. Um, what kind of nutrition planning should be taking place now since I'm just getting back into it? Should I over, uh, bring nutrition because, you know, I haven't been doing it much, you know, so I stop and do that Susan Haig cheeseburger thing or, or should I just, um, you know, grab one gel and hope it lasts for the two hours? What do you think? Uh, I would rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. There you uh, go. So, you know, be prepared. Uh, be a little bit overprepared, perhaps, until you can you you get that feel of what your body is going to do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you might snap right back and be able to do a two-hour ride. For most people, if you've been training for a period of time, you probably won't need fuel, uh, depending on how intensity, how much, uh, how intense the the ride or run is. Uh, that seems to be the magic time is somewhere between ninety minutes and two hours, whether or not you need fuel. Um, you might be able to ease right back into that. Uh, but again, ease into it, uh, go with a little more than you think you'll need, but have it with just as a backup. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. That's We've always got Wawa's around too. So <laughs> there you, know. you go. Yeah. That's... Those eggs, their, their egg sandwiches are pretty good. <laughs> and you know, I, I always got a snicker from there. It was like the perfect balance of everything. Mm-hmm. Snickers are like the perfect, the perfect snack. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's let's jump ahead and let's say I'm a little better shape now, and okay. we're going to talk about planning our race calendar. Do I? Um, how much training do I need to get into a sprint? Do I need to like get a coach and and do that kind of thing, or am I okay to just kind of go out for a few rides, a few runs, and jump in where I was before the pandemic? Well, again, it depends on what your your maintenance mode has been during. Um, if you've been out. You know, if you're running, say, 20 miles a, re- a week and, and biking 40 to 60 miles per week, you could probably slide in and do a sprint or even Olympic without a, a long lead in. You could probably get ready for that in, you know, three to six weeks to yeah. kind of fine tune uh, to, to get that specific specificity in. Um, but if you've been totally 
you know, on the couch during the pandemic, it, it could take um, six months, three months at least to get ready for a sprint. Uh, Olympic is in that four to six month uh, yeah. range uh, just to get the get that get the body back under you. Uh, it might take you three weeks just to remember you like your saddle again. So, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah, the- you've got to ease into it, not not stress the body or the um, uh equipment too much the only marathon i've been participating in is watching netflix Netflix. (laughs) i've done a few uh netflix marathons uh Uh, it's it's hard too. every every athlete is a little bit different some athletes are fantastically motivated on their own uh they they have the ability to look at something online pick up a book um look at a plan bring a plan that they used a couple years ago for another event they did Mm mm-hmm um, and work the plan. Um, athletes who have been active and, and maintaining some level of fitness, and it doesn't even have to be training, uh, that, that base, you know, I, I feel usually if, I, if I'm not running at least 25, 30 miles a week, I don't feel right. So that's kind of my, that's been my happy place through all of this is even on a, a low week. And a lot of it's not even training. I'll just go run and you know, I went out last Saturday for a 12 mile run. It was, it was basically zone two for me. It was pretty easy the whole time. It was just fun. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, went out to the woods and ran the seven mile loop up at uh, black bear uh, wilderness area for fun. You know, it was a little muddy. It was a little slippery. It was, it was fun. I, I wasn't training per se. I was just maintaining that aerobic base. Gotcha. Um, so if you're, if you've got some sort of aerobic base bike and or run, your, your normal training plan, that 12, 16 week plan for the different events would be fine. Um, and a lot of us with just a little bit of sharpening could, could pull off a sprint race pretty well with just a a few weeks to, to really polish the transitions and stuff. Perfect. Perfect. Well, this looks like a pretty good opportunity for me to invite everybody who's watching. If they have a question that we're live on Facebook and on YouTube, Please drop us a question in the comment section. David's here. I'm here. So between the two of us, I'm sure we can come up with an answer. But I, in the meantime, I'm going to keep drilling you. So let's let's go again. Um, how am I going to go about picking an, an event to do? Meaning, um, you know, do I do I start with that smaller race, or do I start with a 5K maybe, or go on a long ride with Seminole Cyclists or something like that, or you know, where do I start when I'm just just getting back into it? Well, just getting back into it. Uh... You know, it, it, I would almost say, especially this year, I would pick a fun destination event. Okay. Uh, and, and kind of look out on the calendar. Pick, you know, if you've been running the trails locally, why would you run a marathon that uses the trails locally? Let's, let's get out. We haven't been able to travel or do anything. So if, if, if you can find that marathon in North Carolina in, you know, October, that might be the perfect thing. You've got enough time to, to build the base up for it and do some training for it. Um, again, there's, there's cost considerations, there's travel considerations, um, there's terrain and, and, um, weather type considerations. But if you take all of that into account and see where, what type of race you want to do, if you want it to be hilly, you're not going to find a hilly race in Florida. So let's, let's go somewhere. Let's have some fun. A bike ride, same way. I'm, I'm looking very forward to getting back to six gap this year, uh, at the end of, um, September. Yes. Uh, we missed it last year and I had done it 10 years in a row up to that point. And it's something we look forward to every year. Cause it's a, it's a break from our 
flat, windy Florida rides. It's, it's cool. It's hilly. It's, you know, it's awesome. So I would say that if you're looking for an event, find something that's going to entice you and keep you training through the summer that you can get ready for in that amount of time. Now, would I recommend anybody coming off the couch tomorrow to sign up for the Florida Ironman? Uh, no. no, especially if you've got no base, right? You, yeah. you know, if, if you come to me and say, Hey, I've been riding a eh, hundred miles a week. I've been running 25, 30 miles a week. I'm thinking about maybe doing Florida. Okay. That's an athlete you can start working with. But if you're coming off the couch, let's pick, let's pick that half marathon in, in uh, Georgia somewhere in, in September, October, kind of use that to, to ease back into a race schedule. With uh, Elizabeth moving up to Arlington, um, I'm really looking forward to doing the uh, Marine Corps up there in Washington. We've had several athletes do it, and it's a fantastic event. They do yep. a great job up there. So my next question for you is, how important is strength training while we're ramping up the bike and the run? I mean, you know, if I'm on the bike a lot, do I really need to work out? Everybody needs to work out. Uh, core strength and mobility uh, are three elements that you cannot omit from any plan. Even if you're just looking to run a 5K, yeah, um, it's it's amazing the number of athletes that that want to go out and do an Ironman. They can't do 50 push-ups, um, <laughs> you know, and, and and that's you are swinging your arms for you know on the run, even a marathon. You you know you're swinging your arms for three, three and a half, four, four and a half, five hours. You should be able to do some push-ups because that's you know. Yep. That's half your, that's, that's a lot of, uh, momentum and stuff you can carry through, um, standing up straight at the end of a, a marathon race, let alone, a you know, at the end of a marathon on a Ironman, uh, that core strength stuff is incredible. Um, injury prevention, uh, everybody who sits for a job drives in their car a lot, your hip flexors and piriform that everything shortens up. If you're not working mobility in the hips uh, and the glutes, especially, uh, you're just looking for injury, IT band issues, uh, knee issues, hip issues. Um, so from a, from a longevity perspective, from a strength pers- uh, perspective, from a, just a, a posture perspective, strength core mobility is critical even at the 5K level. Yeah. Absolutely. I 100% agree. The, um, those abductors are something that, that, I, <laughs> that I struggle with because I, I'll go out for a run, come back. I'm like, oh, I forgot about those. You know, Yes. They, or you go on a bike ride that's a little hillier and you're standing. All of a sudden, the, you know, yeah. the, the teardrop muscle in your quads are, are starting to cramp up. It's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. I run all the time. Why yeah. am I like cramping? <laughs> well, you're using the muscles a little bit differently. You're your, 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 your insides and outsides of your quads get a little bit, the strength and balance there. So balancing out strength, injury prevention, um, stability. I'm not a huge fan of stretching per se, uh, especially when something's in, injured. Uh, you can actually do more damage to the muscle fiber if you stretch a, a damaged muscle. But I love uh, rolling and, and doing some of the uh, myofascial release stuff uh, on myself and, uh, and some of my athletes. So um, all that stuff is huge. Um, if you, if you like, there's a statistic, I think it's close to 60%. If you line up for a race today yeah. and you look around, if that help, if you, those same people were to sign up for the race next year, 60% will have uh, experienced injury in that year from the event back to the event. 
Gotcha. Well, you know, um, and, and, and most of it has to do with strength, stability, and and mobility stuff. So, we have our first question. Speaking of stretching, you must have hit stretching. a hit a nerve, <laughs> right? Uh, because, I'm not anti-stretching, but you've got to be careful with it. Because Andrea on Facebook is watching us live, and she wanted to know what is recommended for stretching or rolling. Should you do them before, after, both, or and what's the difference between before and after workout? Yeah, um, this is a good question, and, and it's it's really a complex question. There's a, there's a lot of um, questions in there. Um, the, the the camp that I subscribe to, the, the the coaching philosophies, and the people that I kind of follow. Uh, on the anti-stretching, I'll put that in air quotes. I'll do anti-stretching. Um, <laughs> certainly never on a cold muscle, right? And, and even when you're warmed up, if you've got a pull of any sort and you push into it and you stretch something that's injured, your likelihood of, of pulling those my muscle fibers apart or, or causing more damage, that increases dramatically. Um, I love rolling and I love uh, the MI stuff, the uh, myofascial uh, release stuff. Um, a lot. I roll before because I know if I don't, I, I tend to get that, that high hamstring, low glute tie in area. I get a little, little feeling there on longer runs. So I'll, I'll roll before, uh, helps with blood flow. Mm-hmm. Um, I do my, my activation exercises before runs. So that further warms up the muscles and activates the muscles to, um, to perform. And then afterwards, I usually spend anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes rolling out the, the legs. Yeah. So I do rolling before and after. Uh, stretching is more of, a, of an active stretch, not a, a static, uh, long, slow stretch. Uh, I do more uh, active um, warm-up type of stretches where you don't hold everything, anything for long periods of time, some deep squats, uh, the leg swings and stuff. But uh, even with the leg swing, you can you can swing your leg and not affect anything. And I, I say affect by activation. Um, a lot of this stuff has to do with activating the muscles and, and and triggering them. So if you don't activate your glute when you're swinging your leg back and forth, um, you're not really telling your body, hey, we're going to get ready for something. You have to activate your glute to pull your leg back. So we're not just pendulum mm-hmm. uh, swinging the leg we're, we're activating the glute to, to to pull the leg back and letting it swing back down activate the glute to pull it back um so true activations um active stretching not the long slow stretching and rolling i love yeah differences before and after workout i do it before and after i think the increased blood flow beforehand is fantastic and to ease the to help speed the recovery afterwards is awesome. You know, it's not even a bad idea to go out and run maybe five minutes when you first get to where you're going to run, then stretch because you will see the activation tenfold when you do it that way. Huge. Absolutely. Um, and you know, I've got this whole, mostly before races, I'll, I'll spend anywhere from 15, 18 minutes before a marathon with, with a proper warm up muscle activation mm-hmm. thing where I have this whole routine, uh, worked out, uh, which includes a, a run. So a little quarter mile thing, a couple little pickups, ease into the stretching, go back to my, act, my, my glute activation stuff, a little bit of a run again. So it just, just to continually to wake up that body and, and remind it what it's going to be doing for the next three and a half hours. Yeah. Even in a triathlon, even before we get into the water, I, I tend to, 
like to get there early enough that I can jump in, swim, remember long strokes, that kind of thing to, to activate the muscles that I'm going to be using for the water. Because you jump in first thing, do you know the water's cold? Do you know it's, you know what I mean? You're just jumping in. So I, I like to get there early enough to, that I can kind of swim around a little bit, activate the muscle group that I'm going to be using first. Yeah. And that's even with the events that allow you to get in the water and, and swim beforehand. Um, some, some events won't let you do that. So you're, you're lucky with those events. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andrea, for the question. If anybody else has one that are watching, we have two viewers. So Andrea is one of them. The other viewer, if you've got a question, please drop us a line. We're going to, speaking of swimming, we're going to talk about, uh, haven't been to the pool because it's been closed during the pandemic. Where do I start? What am I going to do when I jump in there? Do I just start swimming? Ah, just like everything, we've got to ease back into it. Right? Swimming, swimming is so uh, facilities based. Yeah, uh, I think that was the the one big. You could during the entire pandemic, you could have gone out and run by yourself. You could have run in small groups. You could have gone out on on the bike yourself. We got trails, we got roads. So those things were were very possible to to maintain some fitness on. Swim was probably the hardest. Um, and that's where most athletes have an issue because we're mm-hmm. not very few of us are natural born swimmers. Uh, we don't have that beautiful, long, smooth stroke in the water and we don't glide through the water. I, you know, I, I plow through the water on, on my best events <laughs> and, and I burn myself out. Um, but easing into it, finding a good master's program, um, a, a pool area that, that does have some sort of uh, coaching or, or at least, someone there on the deck to watch, see, and give pointers. Um, and he's back into it. You're, you're not going to jump in with a 2000 meter swim. It, no. It's just, you know, it, it's not good for you. Um, you know, there, there goes rotator cuff issues and there goes your race season. So let's, let's ease, ease into it. Be smart, do the warm ups beforehand, do those muscle activations, mm-hmm. um, hop in there with the kickboard a little bit, see how your, your cardiovascular system responds. Exactly. Uh, Swimming engages so many muscles. It drives the heart rate up so high for a lot of people. Uh, Let's just grab a kickboard and see how you do for 20 minutes. Um, You know, do, do five, 600 yards uh, with the kickboard and and see if you can even walk (laughs) (laughs) from there. You know, um, you're, you think, well, I've been on the bike and yeah, I'm doing a hundred miles a week or 50 miles a week. Surely I can go in and swim 50 yards or 25 yards without stopping, but you're almost starting over, aren't you? From scratch. Um, and, and most people, cause we are not, there's a small percentage of people who just, they're swimmers. They, they swam as kids. They learned as kids. They swam their entire youth and, and into adulthood. And then there's those of us who, we splashed around in the water as kids and we called it swimming. And then we, you know, as 35, 40 year olds or, or older and haven't been in a pool in 30 years, go and try and do it. We realize that we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having someone take a look at the swim stroke, having someone there, having a facility to do it is, is great. It, it's most valuable. We're not natural swimmers. Most of us. Um, and, and you can, you can get by with an ugly, you can look miserable on the bike. You can have a, a, maybe not a a terrible fit, but you can, you can be misfit to your bike a little bit. Your run, your arms might be all over the place when you're running. You can still run pretty quick, but you waste so much energy in the pool if you're not efficient. Yeah. So you've got to polish that. (laughs) All right. So 
once again, guys, if you're watching out there, if you have a question, please hit us up. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube Live, the We Do Podcast. So I want to do a century or maybe a half Ironman in the fall. Uh, maybe is it too soon to start training for the event or, but you know, what can I do until I get to that point where it's time for me to train? Yeah. And, and this is, this is, um, the definition of training. Um, and, and it, it might be semantic and splitting hairs a little bit, but what is training to you and, and how do you want to apply it? I don't think you can train for a year to do an event. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's mentally exhausting and it's hard to train all the time. Training isn't necessarily fun. I can go out and have a lot of fun on my bike, but I'm not necessarily training. If you've got the base because you've been out having fun on your bike, you've been riding the mountain bike all winter, you, you've been uh, doing some gravel rides, you've been running out in the woods, you've been doing some stuff. Um, that's all foundation or base building stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as far as training for an event, um, if you've got a base that's that's appropriate for the event that you want to do, training shouldn't take any more than 16 to 24 weeks for, for most of those events. Okay. Uh, I've got, I'm working with a few athletes right now that are doing the Space Coast Marathon in the fall. And yeah, we're, we're training now. But the first, and, and we're, the plan was 36 weeks. And that's too long to train yeah. wow. for, an, for, a, for a marathon. But realistically, it's, it's two 18-week trainings. And yeah. the first 18 weeks is just a base building. We're going to go off. We're going to run on the beach. We're going to run off in the woods. We're going to just do some fun stuff to, to get the base up, do a lot of zone two stuff, and just, I don't want to say goof around, but it's, it's just – it's, it's directed, but it's not focused training. And then we do the 18-week refinement. Where okay. We start with a plan, and, and we have real types of runs, and, and we're, we're stacking workouts, and we're really focused on specific things. So you know, can you start training too soon? Absolutely. But can you start riding and running too soon? Absolutely not. Um, I, I think there's, there's probably a three to five year window for an athlete to have their best marathon. Yeah. Um, because it, it, you just need that, you need that age of running in your legs and in your body to get there. Um, but you know, someone off the couch, we've, we've got to ease them in and get them up to a comfort level with a base volume to build a plan off of. So you can ride, you can run for, ever but remember to recover and fuel and stretch and roll and Mm -hmm. all this stuff and then leave the training to 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 polish or to focus your 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 specific to your specific event the um folks that we're friends with probably want to be working out anyway so that you're giving them something to do because i'm sure they're like Dave, I, I signed up. Let's go. You're like, calm down. It's okay. You've got time. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be going popping out 60 mile weeks right now to train you for your for your marathon in in uh, in November. Yeah. But if if you're out and you're having a good time and you're and you're you know going out three or four times a week and you're running, you might be running a fun half marathon every single weekend. If your body can handle it and you're up to that level in your base, have at it. Go have some fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to sign up. There's a bunch of us that are going to sign up for the 10 miler in August on the clay roads. It's a midnight run or something. Yeah. Howl at the moon. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Halloween, exactly. Yep. I, we just saw an advert for it today. And I put it out to the group. I said, hey, you know, let's go have some fun and we'll call it training. But it's in August for an event that's in November. Mm-hmm. So it's really not it's we're not getting down to the specificity of the event. We're just going out. We're going to run on some softer terrain. We're going to make it have it fat, make it fun, make it an event yep. uh, to keep those training doldrums at bay. Because I see these training plans that are just too long for, you know, it's just too regimented for too long. And and I, I like a plan. And really, we're, we're still following a base plan. But my base plan says, hey, if you don't want to run today, don't. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's not fun today, if you wake up and, you're, and you're, your heart rate's high or something, just totally skip it. Go for a walk. Go, you know. Uh, so a lot of the stuff that we're trying to do right now is just mixing in fun, getting that social aspect back in and, and even doing things that are a little different. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, sign up for that CrossFit now, get, get some base built in, do, um, do the orange theory classes, do some boot camp stuff, whatever it takes just to get that energy going to make you motivated to get into a proper training plan. All right. So I got one last question for you. We, um, I just completed my first event in over eight, what eighteen months almost, and let's say it wasn't what I'd hoped for. So what do I do next? <laughs> you know, I've I've been on the on the couch doing my marathons with Netflix. I get mm-hmm. I, I get back and I, I sign up and I do my first event and I I basically suck now, Dave. What what's what? Where do I find my motivation? Well, well first we have we we've got to you know do your SWAT. What what um you know, what happened? Yeah. Why was it not good? Uh, we have to do, we have to break down and, and figure out the analysis. So it's like, well, great. Okay. I didn't run the page. I, I was able to complete this. Uh, let's say it was a half marathon. I was able to complete this half marathon. It just was nowhere as near the time I was expected. And I was sore for four days afterwards. Well, mm-hmm. you didn't have enough base going into it. You maybe you came into it a little heavy from pandemic weight. Um, those are all things we can address. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, doing that now that, that true self analysis and that reflection on the event, uh, the good and the bad, you know, um, SWATs, uh, uh, strength, weakness, opportunity, threat. And it's something used in business and project management stuff. But you can, you can do that your own, you know, on your own, uh, and say, okay, well, what were my strengths? What did I do? Well, uh, what were my threats? What, what did I do poorly? What are my opportunities? What, you know, so you can break it down and take a look at the pieces and parts of the event and say, okay, well, I can work on that. I can work on, mm-hmm. uh, on this, uh, boy, you know, maybe, maybe I should have lost that, that 15 pounds before, you know, trying to do a, a, a marathon. Yeah. Um, but we have to do it smart. We have to look, we have to be honest and take stock in what we did, how we got to that point. Um, I've just, I'm sure you have too worked with and, and talked with multiple athletes that said, Hey, you know, I, 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 I've done this event three years in a row and I, I keep finishing right about the same time. How come I'm not getting better? It's like, well, what are you doing before, between the events? Yeah. Uh, nothing. Yeah. Well, so for whatever training you're doing for that period of time is getting you to a point and you stop training and you train to that point again, you do your event, you do match this almost the same exact time. And you stop training and you train up for the event again in the third year and you haven't done any better. Well, you really haven't reflected back on what you've done in the past. You keep repeating the same thing and you're not going to get different results except for possibly injured or, or sick of it and you give up and take up, you know, badminton or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, when you 
when you work in these, you know, when you, when you're maintaining the fitness in between the events, now you have a, a higher platform to, to work off of. Um, and with each year, each successive year and event, uh, you're able to build off the one prior. Awesome. Yeah. I, in, in the Ironman coach world, we, we call it opportunity. So we'll ask, you know, what was your opportunity? You know, what did, what, where did you see opportunity for you to, to improve? And we like to go through and, and I mean, it depends on how technical people want to get, but you know, we could, we can examine the, with the data that's out there now. And I know you're a data hound like myself. <laughs> we can, we can pretty much pinpoint where it, where the wheel fell off. Can't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and take, taking that honest look and, and picking good events, um, jumping right back in with, with something that might've been too long or, or too hilly. Um, I'm a little worried that since we've not been going out to Claremont on a regular basis and riding long, long rides, again, we can't ride, we couldn't really ride in large groups and, and super long distances because it was hard to get into uh, gas stations for SAG stops and, mm-hmm. and these things. Um, I'm a little worried about six gap in September and I'm already thinking about some of the things that we need to do to build up distances to get so that I'm comfortable going up and doing that event successfully. Very cool. So you've always got to be thinking, you've got to be thinking further ahead than you think you have to be thinking ahead. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to hold it for a few more minutes and see if anybody else has anything. David, you got any topics you want to discuss before we let everybody go? Well, you touched on some good things and, and talking about the, the few pounds thing, it, it's, um, you know, you, you've added a few pounds. A lot of people have, um, the training's been inconsistent. Events were canceled. Mm-hmm. Weight loss is probably the, it's, it's probably the easiest way to, you know, get those, um, watts per kilo on the bike. Right. Oh, so yeah. even if you're, even if your power level stayed the same and you lost 10 pounds, your watts per kilo has gone up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're putting less wear and tear on our knees and hips. If, if we're losing that pandemic weight, um, that that's a good place to start. And we can't do it just through exercise. It, it has to be, you know, cleaning up the diet and, and, and focusing on the right things for you. Some people will do intermittent fasting. Some people love the keto style. Some people like the paleo stuff. Some people are pure vegan or vegetarian. And that works for them. And you've got to find what works for you. But no matter what it is, you've got to feed the machine when you start training. Exactly. So yep. if, if you cut if you cut too hard, too fast, and try and train on top of that, it's really, really hard. So I like to break the the training, you know, take the weight loss out of training and put it beforehand. There you go. Uh, don't don't use the don't use the Iron Man training to lose twenty five pounds because I can almost guarantee you, you're not properly fueling as you're training to recover properly, which is going to put your body in a, in a deficit to start with. So I'd rather someone work on losing, if it's, let's say 25 pounds, if, if they can get that, that first 15 out of the way before starting a proper training plan. So don't rely on the training to burn the calories because you need to fuel I eat an obscene amount. <laughs> if someone looked at me and said, well, your, your, your BMR is about 1,750 calories. Yes. My average day is probably 3,000 to 3,200 calories. Oof. And that's just my average day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm sitting here pretty lean because I feed the machine. I, I, I don't hesitate in my salad today at lunch had almost a pound of steak on it. 
Yeah. Wolf. So I had a spinach salad with a ton of steak on it. So I got my protein, I got my veggies, I got my, you know, good stuff. And that was just mm-hmm. lunch. Yeah. Um, and you know, don't, don't be afraid of calories. They're not your enemy. Uh, but you, because you have to fuel during, uh, during your, your hard exercise and your hard training. Awesome. Absolutely. So keep your eye on that. Don't, yes. don't use an event to lose the weight. If you got to lose a little bit of weight, lose a little bit ahead of time. I mean, you can use maybe the last five, whatever, while you're training, because it's going to happen anyway. But um, don't don't use an act an, uh, an event to lose weight. I think the first uh, half Ironman that I did with you, I actually gained weight, <laughs> just because you're gaining muscle as you're as you're training. You know, so exactly. it, it wasn't an exorbitant amount, but I just remember being a little a little heavier when I was at race day. Well, and, and several athletes in the past have said, Hey, you know, I, I, I'm running all these miles and I haven't lost a pound. Well, it's like, well, you know what? You look, you look like you're pretty close to race weight. So why would you want to lose any, any yeah. pound? Mm-hmm. Um, maintain the muscle mass. Um, it's really no good. You're, you're putting your body in a world of hurt. There's a bunch of uh, hormones that get all out of whack when, when you don't feed the machine properly and you're training hard. So, I mean, that's, that's a whole We We could go, 45 minutes to an hour yeah. just on the proper way to approach nutrition while training. But the, the high points are you have to fuel for recovery and recovery means more than the training. A lot of times uh, you can, you can overtrain. Well, can I say this? Yes. I'm going to say it. I'm going to be wrong. If someone, you know, looked up another coaching site and they did a lot of research, they'll, they'll prove me wrong on that statement, but I'll stand on it. You can overtrain easily you can't over recover easily. Okay. Yeah. No, I agree right? with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I had to think, but yeah, no, I am with you on that. Right. So you can, you can go run hard five days in a row and put yourself in a world of hurt. But if you trained hard one day and you took three days off, your body's just soaking up that, that training. Yep. And you can make that, you can take the maximum benefit of that. So now you can't train for an Ironman on one day training a week. Now you've got to play with, well, today I'm going to swim, tomorrow I'm going to bike, and then I'm going to do some weightlifting. I'm going to run in the afternoon. That's where you've got to layer things in. Mm-hmm. But you can't over-recover. Awesome. Well, I tell you what, that's a good place for us to leave it. Excellent. Uh, yes, this was a whole lot of fun doing it live with you. Uh, those of you that are watching, uh, this will be out for the podcast crew tomorrow. And um, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. I want to thank Coach David for uh, being on. And I want to thank everybody for listening. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, join us each week as we explore more of the things we do. If you have comments or questions, drop us a line over on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at We Do Podcast. Or check out our website, thewedopodcast.com. David, do you want to plug your website or just find you on Facebook? Just, yeah, find us on Facebook for now. I'm also on Instagram at uh, Coach David D2. Okay. Uh, Facebook, uh, D2 Endurance Sport and Fitness. So we're, we're out there. You can find us. Awesome. Okay, guys. We will see you next time on the We Do Podcast, where we're always talking about the cool things we do.